Welcome to A Twist of Fate, a podcast about life's ups and downs and what we take away from them. This show aims to create empathy and connection in our increasingly virtual world. I'm your host, Bea Gutierrez. Thanks for listening. Olya is a U.S.-based Ukrainian native whose family and friends are currently taking shelter in central Ukraine amidst the ongoing war. Her mother has had to evacuate to Poland to seek medical assistance for her health issues. In this episode, we talk about the situation in Ukraine and the far-reaching impact it's had on people who have had to worry about the safety of their loved ones. This is Olya's story. Okay. Hi there, Olya. Thank you so much for making the time to join me today. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Great. So, Olya, I was hoping we could go back to the first day that you found out that Russia had invaded Ukraine. I'm sure that must have been a really tough time for you and and just hearing about all the news. So, what was the reaction for you and, and what did you do first when you heard about this? So it's really hard to go back in these memories. Me and my husband, we actually went to Los Angeles for a couple of days, for like a mini trip and had a wonderful day. I still was nervous and they were trying, my friends and my husband, they were trying to distract me you know, from what was going on. Okay. We came back home and my friend from Canada, uh, my Ukrainian friend who lived in Canada for years, uh, called me on Instagram, video call, and she started to cry, and she started to tell me that the war has started. So um, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. My immediate reaction was to call my mom, um, mm-hmm. who lived in Kiev, and it was 5 a.m., so I called my mom. Um, she picked up the phone, despite being so early, and she told me that she woke up because she heard something and um, her animals woke up. She had two cats and a little dog. So they woke up and um, I told her that it was a bombing and the war started, so I needed to break the news. It was wow. devastating. <laughs> yeah. So, so your mom did not know at that time? Like you were the one who told her? Yes, she didn't know. And I needed to bring this cell phone news to her. Oh my gosh. And, and what happened next? How did your family sort of mobilize towards this news? Can you describe a little bit more about your family that's currently in Ukraine? Sure. I'm the only child. My dad passed more than 12 years ago. So I have my mom. I have my uncle, a couple cousins. They are located in central Ukraine. I have some relatives from my father's side, yeah. which were living in Donbass region, which was occupied by Russian troops since 2014. So the reaction of my family, I mean, they were scared, uh, definitely. And they couldn't believe this happened. With my mom, we had a back and forth conversation, me trying to convince her, you know, evacuate and her just saying that I cannot believe this is happening. I'm not, I don't think they're going to go far or they're going to do something else. So she she kind of was trying to live her regular life yeah. for a couple of days. And yeah, that was the reaction. My relatives from Donbass region, unfortunately, I was not able to get in touch with them. So I'm not sure what's happening up there because we Russian army cut all uh, possible communications. 
Oh my gosh. So you, you have no way of contacting them. You, do you have any sense of where they are or if, you know, how they're doing at all? No, unfortunately, oh, I don't. My so my grandma and I, we were having, you know, like calls every two weeks scheduled because there was always a problems with the, you know, phone connection. So I used Skype all the time and we have like a scheduled time and a day. And I wasn't able to get in touch with her since um, trying every day. And all I hear just like, you know, the person cannot accept your call at the moment. Please try again later. So I still have hopes. <laughs> I'll be able to hear, hear her voice, but yeah. Okay, that's so hard. I'm so sorry to hear that. It must Thank be you. so challenging to not feel like you're in control. Like you have no, you have no sense of where they are, if they're doing okay, and you know these are people that are really important to you. So I can't even imagine how that feels like. You mentioned a little bit earlier you're trying to convince your mom to evacuate, right? And in a previous conversation with just between us directly, you had mentioned her having to take care of some health issues. Can you explain a little bit more about the circumstances with your mom, her health issues and, and where she is today? Definitely. So my mom, she lived in Kiev. She worked in Kiev. Uh, she yeah. unfortunately had problems with cancer a couple of times already and had pretty like significant surgeries. And last year, at the end of the year, she was uh, diagnosed uh, having like some metastasis. And we had the surgery scheduled on Monday, actually, before the war started. So the war started on Wednesday and the next Monday she was supposed to have surgery. So I needed to work on evacuation because it's, it's a question about just you know, her staying alive, either way, <laughs> yeah. she could be killed by bomb mains or cancer. So that's why I was working very hard of convincing her to leave home, despite her, you know, attempts and to stay there. Yeah. And, and can you share more where is she now? Is she safe? Uh, where did she eventually end up? Sure. So the whole story is very interesting. My friend helped me to convince her because my mom didn't want to leave her cats too. So, <laughs> so she was very determined. She said, I cannot leave my animals. So we needed to find a way while the bombing is happening, you know, who's going to oh stay gosh. with the cats? Yes. <laughs> who's going to take care of them? My, my college friend back from Ukraine helped me and she took those cats. So I called you wouldn't believe a taxi to, to get my mom to the train station where she can take the train and go to the western part of Ukraine and then maybe go to Poland or stay in that part. So on the day six or the start of the war, we were able to call this taxi, call the um, get her to the train station where she was waiting for like five, six hours um, outside and cold. It's February. It's cold in Ukraine during February. So she said, um, I didn't have much. In, I haven't been in touch with her for like a couple days. She would just text me that, hey, I just catch the train. I'm moving towards the Western Ukraine. Or like, hey, um, I just arrived. There is another train. So she took a couple of trains to get there to Lviv. And I actually have managed to find some friends who were able to host her in, in Lviv. But she said, you know what, I... There is too many people up here. 
um, I'm going to move. I'm going to go further. I'm probably going to go to Poland because uh, I don't feel so secure. Mm. And I don't think I can get a good medical assistance if I stay in Lviv because of the amount of refugees. Um, okay. So she took some bus in Lviv, uh, the middle mm. of the night. I don't know all the details, but she took the uh, bus and she went to Poland to a small city where, again, uh, with the help of some random people, she they met her, some Polish people met her in that city and they helped her to get to Krakow. Friends of a friends, which yeah. I never met, they never took any money from me or anything. You know, they were just helping because of of the war and the whole situation is just devastating, I think, for for everyone who sees it. So she's in Krakow right now and she's safe, if you can call it safe. Yeah. And is she staying in, yes, like any sort of household or is she in some sort of camp? Like what, where, what is her living situation? Well, I think my mom is among the few lucky ones, you know, because um, um, I was able to help her and find the housing through Airbnb. Mm. Oh, um, wow. Yep. I haven't slept for a couple of weeks. I was just like monitoring the situation uh, very closely and was planning ahead. So I had this contingency planning. Yeah. <laughs> um, just I was playing with different scenarios. So I rented the apartment in advance for her because I knew this might happen. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so you're doing like a month to month rental on Airbnb for now. Week to week, week more to week. or like okay. day to day first, yeah. but then we the people who rent the apartment for uh, for us, they really nice and they agreed to extend and extend mm. so they yeah, figure out our situation very helpful. I'm I'm glad to hear that and I'm you know, it's so nice to hear what you were able to, to do and all the energy that you put in, even if you're so far away, you're in the United States trying to help your mom and your family from afar. Can you share more about, you know, you had mentioned not sleeping for a couple of weeks. How has this sort of impacted your mental health, your ability to, you know, show up at work in the right way? Can you share a little bit more about the impact on you personally? Of course, yeah. Um, so I think the first week, it was just a week of shock. Yeah. It did affect my mental health a lot. I would feel cold all the time. So I needed to go to shower and just like I would sit in shower for, because it was so stressful, you know, you like mm. feel the stress at the back of your, just feel the stress in your body. And if I felt like cold, so I would just go to the shower and like, sit there and cry because I didn't really, I couldn't understand how the, this would happen in 2022. I refused to eat. Even like thinking about food would, would be, was painful. You know, I couldn't look at it. I couldn't, I was just drinking water all the time. So I lost a lot of weight. I wasn't sleeping because uh, of the time difference and Ukrainian people being so helpful I, I just have, still have the feeling and I will have the feeling I need to help. So I, I was working all this time to, you know, helping different friends, people I never met actually, like just finding the transportation for them, donating money, saving the lives of animals, of kids, of 
uh, older people. So I just needed to be online. So I think being online and also having like being attached to your phone 24-7 definitely gives a toll. Uh, You get a toll on your health. So now it's better because acceptance have come (laughs) I'm in that st- stage of anger, acceptance. Um, yeah. So you sleep well and the appetite came back. Yeah, but I don't want to ever repeat those first two weeks. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah, I'm so sorry for having you have to relive that for this conversation, but I so appreciate you you know, opening it up, sharing some of that. I think it's really important that other people hear about you know, the personal stories and, and how this has impacted people that are outside of Ukraine, even, you know, yeah. and people who have families and friends that are going through this. Okay. So I know you shared a little bit about your mom and, and your grandma. And so you covered a little bit about your family. Have any of your friends or people that you know had to go into combat for this war? And how has that been? Or can you share anything around what that looks like for people that you might know? Um, I do know some people who signed up to, you know, be the, to be a part of combat from like civilian side. Mm -hmm. And I do know some people who actually are part of the army. And my immediate family is not in the army or so, but because some of them are doctors, so they need to go to work and help people in other ways. But me and my friends... Because we have people who are in the civilian troops, we try to like help them, donate them, uh, donate money, and provide, you know, in like bulletproof vests. So the other day, my friends just flew from New York to Poland to deliver the vests, where they will be delivered to Ukraine. Yeah, so I cannot say that I have like a lot of insights of like what's going on because we really don't talk about that. What's going on on the ground? Yeah, I don't know. Sh- it- if it's okay, it's, it's secure to talk over the internet, you know, mm. about these things. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, we are just supporting them with a different type of uh, protection, weapons, and so on. You're listening to A Twist of Fate. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe to get alerted when new episodes are released. I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. Let's get back to it. Now, you know, how have you been processing the daily news? So can you even, you know, go watch the news every day and and consume all of this information? Like I know I've been checking in to see how things are going, but I guess for someone like you, where this is deeply, deeply personal and and impacts you, like how have you been um, interacting with media coverage? Has it been helpful to you or do you feel like you you know you you need to set some boundaries around that i have been following news always had um politics economics and all this stuff so um even right now i do follow news despite it uh, taking a big toll on my mental health uh, because uh, i need to know what's going on i do follow news from ukrainian media on Mm -hmm. a telegram which is a special app yep which very famous in Europe, people using it. And I do watch CNN with some of my favorite anchors <laughs> sometimes, but sometimes I do feel like it's too much when they repeat the same news over and over again, or like they inf- like inflate some information, you know. They don't show 360, you know, it's just one-sided. 
Some t- I tried to filter them, of course, during the day because I went back to work right now. I, I didn't mention it earlier. I did take some mental health days for my work. And so right now I'm not following maybe news as much as I used to during the day, but definitely at nighttime and every morning checking what's going on. Wow. It still continues. Yep. Yeah. And so you, you took a couple of mental health days off from work what has the support been like from your colleagues, from your company? I work at LinkedIn and I've been hearing a lot about you know, ways that we can support. There's been a lot of communications of, you know, if you need to take time, if you need to take a break, you know, to take that time. So they've been really uh, encouraging about balancing your mental health, balancing your ability to process the news while also showing up at work in the way that you need to for your teammates and your, your colleagues. And so what has, what does that look like in terms of support from, from your work? So I work for Satva, which is a, the e-commerce brand. And when the work just started, my manager was super transparent about, you know, taking mental health days or, you know, communicating about what do I need, you know, how they can help. So my immediate team, it was incredibly helpful, mm. uh, supportive. They have brought me like a, you know, like a small present a p- mm. package of like showing the support, uh, which was so sweet and nice. They always check in on me. I know that the company is working right now on creating some programs or like creating a fund for Ukrainians. Yeah. So there is a work in progress um, inside the company. But my immediate team was always supportive, always helpful. So I, I'm really grateful for that and for them. And overall, like all people who reached out and just wrote the message of the support, it does mean a lot. People don't yeah. understand it, but it means a lot. It's so nice to see that we still have that humane you know characteristics in us some empathy so i appreciate everybody who reached out yeah i am one of those people who you know i saw your post on linkedin about how your family and and how so many people that you know are in ukraine and it really was hard not to reach out. I think at the time I was like, I don't really know what to do or I don't know who of the people in my network are impacted. And so I think you also putting yourself out there and sharing some of that opens up the door for people to to share those messages, to offer their support, to ask how they can help. So, you know, I'm glad that you did that. And I'm glad that that led us to this conversation today about how we can sort of elevate some of these types of stories that are happening on the ground to other people who might not really be as familiar or might not know anyone who can share this type of story. So maybe switching gears a little bit, you had mentioned to me in a previous conversation about how some of your friends and family right now are, are in bomb shelters. Can you describe to me what what has that experience been like for friends that have shared to you what is happening day to day what does their life look like are they able to kind of leave and, and go to work or do the normal daily activities like can you share a little bit more about what's what's happening right now with the people who have had to take shelter yeah definitely um it's really hard to call them bomb shelters i think because a lot of people just hiding in the basements of the houses mm. or in the cellars you know or whatever it's it's 
somewhere where it's kind of safe, but they are not built as a bomb shelters. So yeah. their routine, the routine is probably hearing the sirens and uh, while you're doing something, you know, you can be outside, you hear the sirens, you really need to run back home or you really need to back uh, to the safe place. So I don't think that people have a normal life right now. Yeah, They've been really like, tired, sleep deprived, talking to my friends, they said that the sirens are so loud and it's really hard to sleep at night and a lot of attacks come, uh, bombings come at night, like start at night. So they've been <laughs> digging trenches. Um, they've been just uh, working at the different volunteer centers. People have been donating blood from my immediate circle. So I check on them every day. I even... I talk to people I haven't talked to for 10 years, just checking if they're safe, if they need any help. So that's how their life looks right now, hiding, helping any way they can, and just surviving. Yeah. Oh my gosh. To think about how, you know, one day you just wake up and your whole world is turned upside down with no sense of when it can end or where things go from here. I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people can't really comprehend, you know, like you wake up one day and you're like, oh my gosh, like when I have no clarity or no certainty from now on, like, and having to grapple with that, I feel like takes such a huge emotional toll. So I guess for you, where do you go from here? Like, how do you see yourself continuing to, I guess, from afar fight this battle right with the people from your country with other ukrainians you know what things are on your mind in terms of next steps so it is hard but it's not as hard as for them so we need to continue fight spread awareness fight the you know informational war which is big i think what's happening right now will never happen before we haven't had the technology we have um so um we, uh, my friends have created this project, which I previously told you about. We serve like local news from trusted Ukrainian resources that are not available in English. And we verify them, translate, provide real-time updates to the international press. So that's our contribution, you know, spreading awareness, helping with the informational war. And this platform, we hope that will be, able to provide like jobs for the Ukrainians. So far, we have hired some people who are in Kiev, who are hiding in Bob shelters, and they are working every day helping us to translate the news because they do know English. Um, so now in Ukraine, that's the name of the project. That's the main place where I put my energy and efforts right now, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, working with different... I I'm, I'm, I'm really love animals. So, yeah, no, you know where it's coming from. You've heard stories about my mom. So uh, <laughs> I have been, you know, helping different shelters, donating money, spreading awareness about them, uh, sharing them information about the ways to donate. For my American friends, I think this is very important and I'm not going to stop until the war is done. Of course. Um, can you repeat the name of the, the project again? Just so that I, we can also include a link. Uh, on the episode description. Definitely. It's called Now in Ukraine. Okay, great. What are ways that listeners can help support the people of Ukraine? I know that you probably have 
a lot more detailed resources um, on your website or, or through your project. But you know, for anyone who is looking for some ways to to reach out and provide some type of support, what would you recommend? There are lots of different organizations, of course, uh, UNICEF, UN, NPR has posted a great list of the resources and places you can to do, you can donate. Then UA Animals, they collecting money for, you know, different shelters, zoos and other animal organizations in Ukraine. So I'm happy to share the list, which we can attach, I guess, to this podcast. Um, and so people can donate. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. So my final question for you here, Olia, what is one thing that you would like listeners to take away from hearing about your experience? <sighs> so what I would love to, to say, I think, I've listened to an incredible interview between, uh, I think, some historians recently, and I, I was thinking about this question when you sent it to me, and I wanted to bring some points from that conversation I've heard. Um, I think for listeners, for American listeners, I want to understand that West have been torn in recent years between left and right, mm. between liberal and conservative, which really involves around the question of nationalism. Um, and I want listeners to, to, to understand that we have got this very sick idea, mistaken idea that we have to choose. And Ukraine has showed that it's not true. Ukraine is a country with people who have multiple different religions. So we have Christians, we have Jews, we have Muslims. Yeah. People speak Ukrainian, people speak Russian, people speak Tatar. And I want um, American people to understand it's not a binary wor world. Stop thinking in these terms. Nationalism and liberalism can be an allies, and we should understand nationalism differently. It's not hating the minorities. It's not hating the foreigners. It's loving everyone because they are the patriots of this country. I think this is what we forget about, and I think it's a big wake-up call for the Western countries, yeah. that we all should and can unite around the values of freedom and the values of taking care of your fellow citizens. Wow. That was really, really, really amazing. Olya, thank you so much. This was emotional. This was hard conversation. Um, for me, it was illuminating and insightful. So thank you, Olya. I appreciate you. Thank you. I really appreciate you as well. Thank you for giving me the chance to share my story. You're listening to A Twist of Fate. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.